0: good afternoon purple family welcome to another episode of shades of purple a prince podcast on this episode i'm going to be reviewing prince's seventh studio album around the world in a day But before I get into that, uh, my last episode, I talked about Prince's uh, philanthropy and I forgot to mention some of the organizations that he donated to uh, during his lifetime. And I'm assuming that the Prince estate is probably still donating to some of these foundations, but I just wanted to list them because I I told uh, Shannon that I would. So some of the um, charitable organizations that Prince gave to during his lifetime were City of Hope, Edith Covey Memorial Scholarship, Elevate Hope Foundation, Elton John's AIDS Foundation. And that was the one that I couldn't think of Uh, the uh, during the last episode I knew it was the AIDS Foundation but I wasn't sure which one but it was Elton John's AIDS Foundation and he would go to their annual event matter of fact if y'all remember that red and black suit that he had um, with when his hair was really short during the musicology uh, era and I think this is when he was still married to uh, Manuela Uh, when they went together I think she had like a black dress or anything Um, something like that. Anyway, that was uh, uh, for Elton John's AIDS Foundation. So I'm sorry. I knew that was random, but it just popped into my mind. So I had to say it. So also uh, the Goss Michael Foundation, Helping and Loving Orphans, also known as Halo, Jazz Foundation of America, PETA, of course, The Bridge for Youth and Urban Farming. So that was just a small list of some of the charitable organizations that Prince gave to during his lifetime. So of course, Uh, There are probably numerous other ones that we'll never know about that. He just privately and anonymously gave to because he just had such a huge heart and a huge heart for service and children and families and things like that. Cause you know, Prince didn't come, you know, I wouldn't say that he came from a broken home necessarily, but he, he did have a hard childhood, you know? And so I, I know that he's, you know, sympathized with other people that, especially children, you know, uh, s- children of single parents or broken homes and things like that. Cause you know, his childhood wasn't, you know, it wasn't ideal. you know, uh, we'll say that. <laughs> so moving on. So around the world in a day. So now we're up to, um, and I was consider around the world in a day, almost another like How would I say it? Like another breaking, not a breaking point, but turning point. There we go. Turning point in Prince's career. And the reason why I say that is because around the world in a day, just like how Dirty Mind was very personal for Prince, Around the World in a Day was also another album, which was very personal for him. And the reason why I say that is because after going to the mountaintop of Purple Rain, He wanted to, as he told his manager at the time, he now wanted to go climb the ladder or look for the ladder. uh, Because he realized that, you know, the success of Purple Rain, you know, there's, he would say later on in the song, My Name Is Prince, you know, just going to the top is just a dream and it's lonely at the top, let's be honest, you know? So he kind of, you know, got that high of being on top of the world and being number one all over the world. And I mean, it was a good feeling, but at the end, I think it left him kind of empty because he will remark later on during the Purple Rain tour uh, that, you know, people were just going... You know, he felt like a lot of people were just going because, you know, because of the movie and they would, you know, they would, you know, cheer, you know, at the, at the times where they thought they were supposed, they were supposed to cheer because the way the Purple Rain tour was set up, and I didn't really talk about this when I, I did my review, but the way the tour was set up is a lot of the songs, and I mean, they played all the songs, of course, but they kind of set it up almost like they did for the movie. So they played it, you know, like even down to Prince kissing Wendy during Purple Rain. Like they did a lot of the, the tour stops just like the Purple Rain movie because they knew, Prince's management team knew that's what people were expecting. They were pretty much the Purple Rain movie on tour. And I think that whole concept really bothered Prince after a while. He understood, you know, the reasoning behind it. Uh, to kind of push the album and, you know, to push the movie, which were both very successful. But, you know, Warner Brothers knew that they had to keep that momentum going. And they so the tour had to be, you know, bigger than life, which it was. But for Prince, I think it was just kind of a moment where he was just like, OK, this is great. But honestly, by the time the Purple Rain tour got started, he was already two albums down the road. y'all. He was already working on Parade. He was done with Around the World in a Day which came out in April uh, of 1985 so toward the end well that was the end because the tour ended April 7th of 1985 and so the album came out just a few weeks after the tour ended so literally while they were doing the Purple Rain tour he was already uh doing uh songs in the, for what would be Parade like literally, so, so imagine how Prince felt doing these uh, songs every night that were like two albums old by now. And of course we know how Prince was. When he did a project, when he felt that it was done and over with, he didn't like to look back. He, he was always moving forward. And so the fact that this tour just had him bogged down with all these old songs, it, it was just like he, he wasn't, he felt as an artist kind of stifled. And so I think that's the reason why he kind of did almost like an about face with around the world in a day. It's so different while people were expecting for a Purple Rain 2, you know, which is he knew that's what Warner Brothers wanted. He knew that's what the Purple Rain fans, and that's what I'm going to call them, what they wanted. But that's not what Prince wanted as an artist. So just like with Dirty Mind, Dirty Mind was the first album that Prince said was really something that he wanted to do as an artist. Now, I'm not saying that the Prince album, the 4U album, weren't songs that he wanted to do because like he said, all of his songs are his babies. But Prince was an album, and I talked about this in earlier episodes when I talked about the Prince album, where he was trying to prove to Warner Brothers that he could make hits. After you know for you didn't do so well for you was you know his first album his first for way into you know music producing and and all that so you know that he was completely green doing a lot of that stuff that he did on for you even though for you is a phenomenal album, but Dirty Mind was the first album where he was finally doing the type of music that he wanted to do. And so I think that's the same situation with Around the World in a Day. After the juggernaut that was Purple Rain, as I call the Purple Flood. Uh, He was ready to kind of do some music that he wanted to do as an artist. And he also wanted to take his real fans on a journey. And he just hoped that, you know, that they would go on the journey with him. Because Purple Rain was wonderful for what it was. But now he was ready to move on to do something that was closer to his heart. Something that, you know, that he wanted to do. You know, he, he didn't like to be stagnant. He didn't like to do the same type of music every album you know he really he liked to change his aesthetic constantly so around the world in a day was that it was an about face it was a change something that prince felt like he needed to do to be his authentic self so because of that i really appreciate this album uh now much more than i did when i first listened to it because when I first listened to Around the World in a Day, I could understand why people were probably disappointed. I could understand why the Warner Brothers executives were disappointed. Because according to uh, Mary Lou Baldo, who was a uh, Warner Brothers executive at the time, Prince came in and let them, you know, came to the studio, well not the studio, to the corporate office and everybody sat around and listened to it. And he could just tell by the looks on a lot of the executive faces. They were just like, oh, my God, what are we supposed to do with this record? Like, you know, of course, they love Raspberry Beret, which would be the first single. And other than Raspberry Beret, they really didn't hear anything that they they thought would be a hit, would be a hit. So they just kind of was like, "Okay, we can't put this on radio. What are we supposed to do with this? And Prince didn't really appreciate, you know, that they were disappointed because he was thrilled with the album and he did a lot of, you know, collaborations on this album, particularly with uh, David Coleman, who was Lisa Coleman's brother of the Around the World in a Day, the song, you know, it has this Mediterranean feel because he was playing those type of instruments and I can't remember the name of them, y'all. I'm sorry. But uh, the Mediterranean, you know, those little chimes and things like that, he actually gifted Uh, Prince uh, with this song as a birthday gift so um, and Prince loved it and so he kind of reworked it a little bit and that eventually became the title track and the the title to the album so he also kind of leaned a little bit more on uh, Wendy and Lisa also during this album Uh, According to them, you know, they were kind of exposing Prince to more, um, you know, more kind of indie artists or uh, artists like, well, the Beatles aren't indie, but you know, and he, I, they tried to say, you know, at different points that, you know, Prince really liked the Beatles. And then now they're saying that, you know, he didn't like the Beatles. So I don't know what his kind of situation was with the Beatles. I don't know. I don't really think he was a, a real big fan of their music. Uh, but A lot of people say that this sounds like one of their albums, one of the Sgt. Pepper albums. And that may be, and he may have taken some inspiration from the Beatles, but like I said, I don't really think that he was a a very big fan of the Fab Four, as they were called. Um, But this album is very, it does have a very alternative, uh, very psychedelic type of feel to it. And that was purposely done. I mean, it is the complete antithesis of Purple Rain. Like if you can think of Purple Rain's opposite, like polar opposite, it would be Around the World in a Day. So let's get into it. And like I said, kind of like I did with the Purple Rain uh, review, I'm just going to basically just give my own uh, opinions on the tracks. I'm not really going to talk too much about like what critics thought about it. You know I might say oh they liked it or they didn't like it or they it had mix, mixed reviews but I will say this much about Around the World in a Day. As you can imagine yeah it got mixed reviews by the critics. They were just as confused as everybody I mean the public in general I think was confused and I think the only reason why it became a number one album was because of Purple Rain. Because they were so, you know, anticipating Prince's next album after Purple Rain. I really think that is the only reason why it went number one. But I think a lot of people might have been, you know, just like, okay, what, what is this Prince? Okay, this is a little different, you know, and people love Raspberry Beret. I still love Raspberry. Razz- it's, it's one of my favorite Prince songs. So he did have some really good songs. And of course, Pop Life, you know, Pop Life and Raspberry Beret, I think, are the two probably strongest uh songs on the album but we'll get into that so let me just go ahead as always and give you the lowdown on the statistics so the album was mostly recorded and this is of course from the principal It was recorded between January and December of 1984, although Raspberry Beret had been first recorded in 1982. And Des Diggerson, in his book, he talks about the fact that he actually heard a uh, really uh, early demoed version of Raspberry Beret during that time period. It was re recorded in September of 1984. Pop Life was the first new recording for the album, recorded in February of 1984. So now he's doing all this during the Purple Rain tour. Now, because mind you, the Purple Rain tour started in November of uh, 1983. And so it continued on, or no, wait a minute. Is that wrong? That's probably wrong. No, it started in November of 1984, I'm sorry. So yeah, he started, this album before way before the Purple Rain tour but the uh but the Purple Rain um movie kind of slowed him down but he was still able to you know finish it okay so where was I around the world in a day was demoed by David Coleman with no input by Prince in June 1984 and recorded by Prince in August of 1984. America was recorded in July of 1984 which is very fitting because you know 4th of July raspberry bouet tambourine and paisley park in september of 1984 condition of the heart and the latter followed in october of 1984 initially tracked during rehearsals for the Purple Rain tour. So I said once again, these are the, uh, the Purple Rain tour started in November of 1984. And so by before the tour even started, he was pretty much done with Around the World in a Day, even before the tour started. Temptation was recorded in 1984. So that was the only track that he was uh, working on during the tour, m- marking both the final track on the recorded uh, for the album. So he actually kind of recorded them almost in the order that they would be on the album. Four of the album's nine tracks, Paisley Park, Condition of the Heart, Tambourine, and Temptation are essentially solo performances by Prince often containing background vocals by Wendy Melvion and Lisa Coleman and other occasional musical embellishments by others. America is a full band performance edited down from a longer version later later released on the America 12 inch single. And if you haven't heard that, I did put that on the Facebook page back in July, uh, right around when I first started uh, the podcast and started the Facebook page because the 12 inch single is really nice. It's like the instrumentation, of course, is played all the way out, but it's it's really good. It's like 20 minutes long, so check it out if you ever get a chance to. Around the World in a Day and A Pop Life and the latter are also band performances. Okay, so the promotion. The album produced four commercially released singles, Raspberry Beret, Paisley Park in Europe, Australia, and Japan only. Pop Life in America, although no single, was released prior to the album as an artistic statement by Prince following the huge commercialism of Purple Rain so he didn't even have a desire to have any singles after Purple Rain he said he wanted this next album to be you know very kind of low key in a way there was no tour to support the album although a few songs from the album had been previewed on the Purple Rain tour which ended just two weeks prior to the album's release. So the album did, like I said, reach number one on the U.S. Billboard Top Pop Album Chart and number four on the Billboard Top Black Albums Chart. It was certified gold on July 2nd, 1985, which means it was... indicating 2 million copies shipped in the U.S. It was also certified silver gold by the B BPI on April 22nd, 1985, indicating 100,000 copies shipped in the U.K. So it did very, very well, as you can imagine. But like I said, it was one of those albums that was just like, OK, what is this, Prince? What are you doing? Where is this going? But he felt like, once again, it was something that he had to do because... Prince, unlike a lot of people, a lot of artists who kind of, you know, really want to cater to, you know, commercial and what's going to make the most money, have the most hit records, that he wasn't about that. That's not what he was about. He really appreciated the music as an art form. You know, that was what was most important to him to get his music out there. And if people dug it, they dug it. If they didn't, they didn't and i know that sounds like okay but he wanted to make money and he did you know i mean this was a career for him that i mean there's no doubt on that but he still kind of you know he he cared about his art you know kind of like an artist that makes the painting you know they want to be able to express themselves in a way that you know if they get their message across to people and people like it that's great but it's just one of those things that he just has to get out because now of course prince being the musical genius music was always like in his mind constantly 24 hours a day and so that's why he had to get to a studio even when he was uh, on tour because he just had to get it out if he couldn't get it out he couldn't sleep he couldn't do anything he couldn't eat he couldn't drink i mean water like he really had to get this music out of his head like that's that's how that's how it was you know that's how bad it was so let's go on and just start reviewing the track so of course the first track is the title track around the world in a day and i i don't know i kind of like how he how the track starts off with the kind of kind of like almost like a scream but not like uh, i thought that was i was like okay so Prince, are you going to do one of your you know famous screams but he, he ended up not doing that but i liked of course to like the chimes in it like the mid, you know, it has a I almost said mid, midwestern, but Middle Eastern chimes, and of course that he would play with that again during the Symbol album in the 90s, and so he would, so he would always kind of, you know, come back to that Middle Eastern type of vibe, and of course this is what this song has. It has a Middle Eastern vibe, it has a psychedelic vibe, and speaking of psychedelic vibes, um, the next track, Paisley Park. Has that in abundance. I think "Paisley Park" is probably the most trippy type of track on the album. And I have to be honest. Um, someone made a comment when I posted the video, saying that I guess I was too young to understand that. You know, back then they didn't have CGI. Like I talked about how the video itself was really trippy. But no, I do have an appreciation for it now. But I'm just saying when I was younger, I didn't. I'm used to now I'm a, I'm an eighties baby. Okay. So I'm used to seeing trippy music videos. I mean, Peter Gabriel sledgehammer. Hello. So it's not that I was, you know, not understanding or too young to understand, you know, the psychedelic nature of the video. I was just saying, I just thought it was trippy and a little weird, but that doesn't mean that I didn't like it. I just, you know, was saying an opinion about it. Um, but, and that's also like the first, um, album not the first album why am say saying album the first um music video that didn't feature Prince or didn't have like anybody in his band so he just had like these white people that were like I don't know they were kind of like what you call like hippies I guess and children and yeah, I mean it was just kind of weird come on y'all y'all know it was kind of weird but that doesn't mean that you know I didn't understand where he was coming from or didn't understand like you know the times or whatever like they were trying to say in the Facebook post but anyway I've kind of got off track with that but I um I do have a better appreciation for the song now than I did when I first heard it because when I first heard it i really didn't care for it i was just like oh oh, okay prince but now i can kind of listen to it and i can kind of you know get into it because it's one of those songs that if you listen to it enough it'll just stay in your mind paisley i don't know the words (laughs) uh but um i like how it has a little like you know whimsical Kind of vibe and of course he would do that later especially on the, the graffiti bridge sound uh soundtrack and album you know the, the 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 song graffiti bridge everybody wants to go to graffiti bridge da, 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 da. so it has kind of this like whimsical kind of childlike innocence to it and i kind of dig it now 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 this next song on the album um condition of the heart I'm gonna be honest with you guys um this is probably I don't know <laughs> I don't really care for this song and I'm sorry I mean I know a lot of people just like rant and rave about how much they love Condition of the Heart and I love the piano instrumentation on it don't get me wrong that's probably my you know if I like anything about this song it'll be that but I don't know I just don't really care for the lyrics too much and I kind of felt like it maybe would have been better as an instrumental. And maybe that's what he wanted it to be. But then he thought, you know, kind of second guessed it. I was like, no, let me throw some lyrics on it. That's kind of how it sounds. But I really do feel like it would have sounded better to me. Like I said, this is my opinion. My podcast, my opinion. So don't like tear my head off. But I think that Condition of the Heart would have sounded better as just a uh, just a uh, instrumental. Uh, but I, I love the the idea of him like you know he made that reference to Clara Bow and you know I, I, I like the vibe I guess of the song in a way but it was just one of those songs that I'm just like why does everybody just say that they love this song so much um it's, it's like I said it's just not my favorite but I mean it's I like I said I love the piano his piano playing is beautiful on it I really like a lot of his piano ballads and I think that it, out of his piano ballads I would have to say this is probably his weakest to me um and like I said once again my opinion but I do love the the instrumentation and I really felt like he should have just kept it as an instrumental but moving on of course now uh the fourth track raspberry beret she wore a raspberry beret the kind you find in a second hand store now of course this is now you know one of his uh most well-known songs and it also has like a like a little trippy vibe to it and he makes a reference to uh, a purple rain in the fact that he says you know when him and this lady are getting it on in the barn and the horses you know wonder who you are so that was like a cut a scene from Purple Rain where him and Apollonia were supposed to like be having sex in this barn and they cut it for whatever reason and you know you you know this is probably kind of like I don't know Not I want to say unrelated it is related but so you know I'm always on Lipstick Alley and Prince.org and listening to we're well, not listening but reading all these rumors so one of the rumors about that scene uh, why it was cut like I heard two different stories about reason why that we're gonna go back to the review in just a minute I'm just gonna you know gossip for a little bit real quick. So uh, so one of the rumors was that they were actually like having sex and it was like a Like it was too like if they would have filmed it and put it in the movie It would have got like an NC-17 rating. So that's one of the rumors why it was cut the second rumor which I really don't believe they were actually having sex like I I I I don't really believe that that's true the second rumor was because the scene filmed so awkwardly like you could tell that Prince was feeling you know was the expressions on his face was like he wasn't comfortable so I think that's probably closer to the truth than that other rumor and so those are the two rumors one of them being I think the more truthful one Saying that, you know, Prince just looked a little bit too awkward in the scene. And that's why they had to uh, cut it. But anyway, he makes reference to that in uh, Raspberry Beret. And so uh, I, love I, um, I love the song. I I love the whole idea of this guy who's like at work, not really doing nothing. And then this hot chick comes in through the outdoor. And he's just like, oh, you know, Prince does these songs where he becomes... Um, acted upon by these women like you know in Little Red Corvette you know she comes and he takes her back to his uh takes her back to his house so this girl comes into the store and you know he takes her out uh riding by old man Johnson's farm so you know he gets taken away or he takes her away this time. And they get it on and then he talks about, you know, he wouldn't change a stroke because baby, I'm the most, you know, you know, because he talks about the, you know, the how awkward it is when you your first sexual encounter, you know, people say how it's, you know, really awkward and a lot of times it is, you know. But he said that he wouldn't, you know, change anything about it because, you know, you know, he had a good time and he may have not did the best performance, but uh, he said he he did what he did. And that was that. And so, you know, of course, you know, Prince being Prince, you know, he had to add that in there. And so I love Raspberry Beret. It's a song that I come to um, often uh, when I'm just, you know, in the mood to listen to it. And of course, his legendary cloud blue cloud suit that he had on in the, um, in the video. I can't wait to get to Paisley Park because I do know that uh, that is on display there. And uh, just to see that would be great, you know. And of course he had the cloud, cloud uh, boots to match. So just classic, classic Prince. He did not like, however, his hair. He said that he thought he had Hulk hair because what happened, uh, Prince was originally uh, supposed to dye his hair blonde. So, if you see on the um, Around the World in a Day, some of the artwork on the album, you notice that he has on the blue suit, the blue cloud suit, and his hair is uh, yellow looking. Well, originally he was supposed to get a dye blonde, but when he tried to do it, the dye didn't take and it ended up like breaking his hair off and so his stylist at the time I don't know if it was Earl Jones which was Jill Jones's uncle but I think it was so he had to end up you know taking the dye out and cutting his hair and so for the video that's what they that's you know the best that they could come up with at the time because his hair had fell out because of that dye Uh, because I guess he was allergic to it or something I'm not sure but uh so he later (laughs) had said something to I think either Lisa or Wendy and said oh uh, you know that he hated his hair but I thought his hair looked great in the video but uh, he said that he thought he had Hulk hair like uh, the you know like the Hulk (laughs) so I thought that was funny okay so moving on now tambourine now I think that Prince actually played, uh, if I can remember what I read in the, um, the Dwayne Tudow book, uh, that he actually played live uh, drums on this. And, um, tambourine is another one of those songs that's you know, it's kind of a play on words. You don't know exactly what he's talking about. Like, it seems like he might be talking about masturbation, but then it seems like he might be talking about like his woman's, you know, vagina. So it's just like, you know, he kind of plays off of that with the lyrics. Like, I just want to play, you know, my tambourine all night. And then he'll say, but I want to play in my, in my baby's tambourine. So it's just like, okay, which one is it? You know, so it's kind of a fun song. Song. and I of course I really like the drums in it and it's very it's one of those songs that uh, very memorable and that it's it'll get stuck in your head like timber I mean he keeps on saying it Timbouine and then, of course he kind of does his little almost like yelling my <laughs> So um, I really like that song um, then the next one America, Uh, I've said this before. I didn't really care for the free song in 1999. I thought it was probably the weakest song. But now I think I have a better appreciation for it after learning about kind of the nature, more about the nature of the song and how, especially after I learned that he played that song at a lot of the um, special concerts that he would give for (laughs) underprivileged youth and things like that. So America is kind of in the same vein. It's a very patriotic song about being able to do what you want to do, how you want to do it because of the country that we live in. So I think it's kind of a celebration of us as a country, you know, and of course it takes its lyrics from, um, God bless America. So, um, but I am kind of curious as to what made him decide to do a song like America, Uh, Because you never know what Prince like whatever is going on in his mind at the time. But I guess since he recorded it in July, I guess because, you know, July, 4th of July, I guess he was just like, you know what? Let me make a patriotic song. You know, I'm proud to be an American. Uh, You know, let me just express that. So I could be totally wrong, but that's just my opinion on, you you know, what he was thinking. So moving on, pop life. Now, pop life is probably my favorite track. I love Raspberry Beret and I especially love the B-side to Raspberry Beret. Oh, I forgot to talk about that. So for those of you who don't know, the B-side to Raspberry Beret is She's Always in My Hair, which is about Jill Jones. And that's one of my favorite B-sides. And speaking of B-sides, I'm going to actually have an episode where I talk about my favorite B-sides. So be out on, on the lookout for that. But, um, so what was I talking about? I forgot just a fact, okay, yeah. So moving on, I'm gonna talk about She's Always In My Hair on the episode where I talk about the B-sides, but just know that she's all my, I did put that, I did put a link up to She's Always In My Hair because it's a, a rocker. I think that it would have really did good as an A-side. Like he could have put it on this album and it would have been banging, you know? But Prince being Prince, he decided to make it as a B-side. But anyway, so going back to Pop Life. So Pop Life is probably, I think, the best song on Around the World in a Day. And, it, it should, it, and it's just that, it pops. You know, I, I love the lyrics. I love the, you know, the the vibe of it. And Moore's Day seemed to think that the uh, lyric, what you're putting in your nose? Is that where all your money goes? He said in his book, he thought that Prince may have been talking about him. And that's possible. He also thought that Prince may have said, you know, uh, you know, where he says the lyric, where he said that somebody, were you mad that somebody, the postman put your million dollar uh, check in somebody else's box? Because at this time, of course, him and Prince were no longer uh, around each other and he was now, no longer in Prince's camp, but he also felt like Prince owed him some money and, and Prince was stopping him, so-called stopping him from getting his money. He actually had to go out to LA. He had moved to LA and it was Pepe Willie that kind of helped him uh, get some money from uh, Warner Brothers that he felt was owed to him. So I don't know if Prince got a wind of that situation that Morris Day was going uh, going through. So I don't, I mean, it's possible. You know, uh, Prince had ears and eyes everywhere, I'm sure. So, but I don't know for sure if pop life is, you know, pop life could be talking about anybody. You know, it could have been talking about vanity. It could have been, I mean, anybody. But pop life is one of those songs that, you know, he's basically saying, look, don't let this life get to you. Because this pop life being the way it is, you know, You know, it it can influence you and it can be good, it can be bad. But you really just kind of need to watch, you know, what you do, you know. And like I said, Pop Life was it was one of the earlier tracks that was released on the uh, on the album, and it's been remixed and mixed to death. Like it's got so many mixes. Like Sheila E. has a, a, a mix that she did, and then I said nice '94, Kirk Johnson remixed it at the Paisley Park Studio, so it's got a Kirk J uh, B side uh, remix. And rumors have suggested incorrectly, I'm reading this from the uh, uh, Prince Vault, that the booing crowd sampled in the song is from Prince's infamous opening act for the Rolling Stones. But that's actually not where that's from. Um, and I didn't know that. I didn't know that that was a rumor about that. So, uh, But pop, like I said, pop life is just like, I don't know, it's a jam. I mean, what more can I say about it? Um so finally when when I finally we got two more songs. Uh the latter uh, the latter was another song, you know, one of his more religious songs uh that I really uh liked when I first heard it because I love the beginning instrumentation to it, the the uh, strings beautiful. Uh and then just the song itself it has it has such a uplifting message and it really sounds like a gospel song when you listen to it. And this is once again, Prince uh, reaching in and talking, you know, going into his uh, spiritual side. And eventually I'm going to um, have a episode where I'm going to talk about Prince and his religion and how he felt about, you know, making these spiritual songs. Because as we know, he would make a spiritual song like the ladder, this beautiful song talking about going, uh, looking for the ladder, Jacob's ladder, you know. And then the next song is what? The last song, Temptation. You know, about, you know, not just any old temptation, but sexual temptation. You know, so he let it be known that... He was, you know, tempted sexually, as you know, a lot of people are, you know, I mean, that's just the nature of sin is, you know, everybody has their own particular sin that they have a hard time, hard time dealing with. And I like how in temptation he has at the very end, he has this conversation with God, where God tells him, look, you need to learn the difference between love and sex, you know, and um, and Prince was, you know, pretty much. try to tell himself like look I know, I know I need to do better. I need to stop doing what I'm doing or thinking what I, you know, or, you know, cause he was probably, like I said, during this time, you know, 1985, 1984 was a very busy time during Prince's love life. If you go back and listen to my episode where I talk about him, talk about his love life uh, during this time, you know, he was talking to uh, Susie, Sus- Susanna Melvion, uh, even um, Sus- um, uh, Susan Moosey, He might still have been in in and around during this time uh Jill Jones uh who else uh (laughs) I mean I mean he had a lot of women you guys so it was like you know he probably made that song knowing that you know God is probably not pleased with how my love life and my personal life is going with me juggling all these women and so he just had a habit of just having that duality that sex and sex and sin or sex and love or you know you know sex and you know the spirit spirituality and sexuality he constantly would do that uh throughout his album and um, throughout his uh discography and throughout his life you know so But uh, I think that is the last track. Uh, So that will conclude my review for Around the World in a Day. Uh, Next up, I'm going to take a break from doing album reviews for a little while. I'm going to do I think I'm going to uh, do the B-side, my favorite B-sides talk about my favorite B-side songs the next episode before I move on to parade and then after I do parade I'm going to have another break and before I go on to sign of the times and I'm going to probably do a book uh, review of of the beautiful ones so stay tuned for that until then you guys peace and be wild and may you live to see the seat of dawn bye